Okay, as we start, you know, our first day, six days, and the seventh day will be the new year, okay? We do it, practically we have done it every year. <coughs> you see, uh, yesterday when we were at church and we are hearing the word, we also saw, like, you know, as we say in science, there is cause and there is effect. In the same way, we fast and we pray. Okay, the purpose of fasting is the, the the cost. Like if you look at the cost level, fasting, we are causing something to happen to us. The effect of it is sanctification. Okay, sanctification. We pray. The effect of it is more clarity, more direction, more power in our lives. Okay? Now this is cause, this is effect. But when we fast and pray, because everybody fasts and prays, every religion they fast and pray, but our purpose is different. Cause is one thing, effect is one thing, purpose is another thing. And often people forget the purpose. And because we forget the purpose, even though we fast and pray, and Christians fast and pray. The purpose is very rarely fulfilled. Okay? So we need to, we need to um, look at the purpose. Why do we do this? Because we can go through this like a ritual and never the purpose being fulfilled. If you look at Second Timothy, very familiar verse for us, but since this message will go to so many places, let me read it out from Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20 and 21. Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor, some to dishonor. Therefore, if a man cleanses himself, that is sanctification. Okay, how does he cleanse himself? He fasts, he prays, he hears, he repents. That's the purpose of all of this. Okay, through this, you clarity comes in. You hear and you act on it. You are sanctified. He cleanses himself from these things. He will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now, the purpose is different. The purpose at the end of it, or each time we go through this process as individuals or as a church, we are used more by God. That's the purpose. If that doesn't happen, we have fasted, we have prayed, there is a cause, there is an effect, but purpose was never fulfilled. Purpose was never fulfilled. And you will see all over the world where people fast and pray, purpose is not getting fulfilled. The purpose is this, never forget the purpose. Why are we at the year in fast, six days fast, seventh day? What is the whole purpose of it? Okay, we have to look at it. Now look at it, look at it in from God's perspective and understand it from our physical perspective, earthly perspective. When God used Elijah, God himself will say there are 7,000 others who haven't bowed their knees to Baal. But we don't know any one of them. We don't know any one of them. I believe they also fasted. They had to fast because there wasn't food. They also prayed. But only one man we see was unbelievably used by God because his reason he was doing things was that that God would use him. 
that God's purpose, not his purpose, God's purpose would be fulfilled in his life. Because a lot of people fast and pray so that their purpose would be attained through the power of God. So you see, one man, okay, at the end of it, you will see he goes through a rigorous process of fasting and praying. Because it is there hidden in scripture. No, he prayed and God answered. But all the answers or what is coming is not his purpose, it is God's purpose. So Always keep that at the core of it. We, otherwise, it will become another ritual. We may have our breakthrough for which we fasted and prayed. That doesn't become God's purpose. Okay, It is God's purpose. Now, if you put it in earthly perspective, like a man cleanses himself, that's basically putting himself in order. Now, if you were, uh, you, you were, let us see, a commanding officer of a battalion of a regiment and you wanted five people for what we call special operations, Okay, and if you were a commanding officer, you look at the you look at the people you have in your troops you have, and you will say, "Okay, this guy no why? Because he's never on time." And we don't realize these little things matter. Okay, this guy is is not. This guy no why? Because his heart is divided. His heart is divided. This guy no because he's too emotional. And this is special operation. Emotions cannot play a part. It has a part. But it cannot play a part. Okay. Then this guy, no, he's too hard. If I want the captive to be taken alive, he will kill it. He will kill that person. He's too hard. This guy, no, because he's too soft. When I want to kill, he will take it alive. Okay. You need to understand how... It operates when you have to be. You, you remember when God told Saul to kill all the Amalekites, he kept some alive. But when Samuel comes, he says, bring that fellow and cut him in front of me. Now you need to realize here is a prophet. You expect a king to be hard and a prophet to be soft. But the prophet is not soft. Neither he is hard. He is just sanctified vessel who is fulfilling the purpose of God. Okay, so understand, you know, when we go through this process of sanctification, the whole idea is that we actually fulfill the will of God, not the will of man. And so many people will go through life actually never being fulfilling God's purpose in their lives. The actual purpose of God is because these parameters, you have to look at it. And if you look at it, you look at it in the, actually in the Bible, who fulfill God's purpose? Uh, Enoch, uh, Noah, uh, I mean, okay, Noah, because you have to give him credit so many years, and Abraham, ultimately, he fulfills, okay, uh, Isaac, uh, uh, Israel, okay, but you will see why this so much time took place for them to reach their point is because of these things were not happening, these things were not happening. If you look at the women God used in the Bible, you will see Sarah, and you will realize that she's a very uncompromising woman. That when it comes to her obedience, she obeys. If you ask about Rachel, you will ask Rachel, will you go? She will say, I will go now. I will go now. Okay? But they fall apart later or some of them fall apart later because this is a continuous process. This is not separate. Special operations is a continuous process. If you actually look in the army who are in special operations, their training is vigorous and their training is continuous. It never stops. It never. You put on a little bit of belly fat, you are out. You're out of special operation. You go into something else. You are out. You are late two days. You are out. You are out because 
the CEO won't take you in because he says your operations, life and death dep- depends upon it. I cannot trust you for this. Okay, So that's what scripture is talking about. Why did God put Jesus through this rigor for 30 years? Because his obedience had to be perfect because the work that is going to be committed into him, the entire salvation of the world depends upon it. Life and death depends upon it. So you have to see your life in that way. If you don't see your life in that way and the six days in that way says, I want to be even more useful, not in the eyes of man or Lord. Man may never even understand during his lifetime, but in your eyes. I want to be very sure I hear and I obey. And there is nothing in me that would bring forth disobedience. Okay, so a couple of things or a few things we will look at it now because... We are going through six days and we know we, we saw yesterday from when God says, if any man is in Christ Jesus, it's a new creation. Okay, new creation. The old things are passed away. Okay, so basically you have to deal with those things which held us back in 2018. You have to, only God can identify those things. Some we know, some we do not know. Now if you look at, if you look, go to with me to First Kings. Okay. If you go to 1st Kings and you listen to uh, chapter 2, 1st Kings chapter 2, and you, uh, verse 5 and 6, 1st Kings chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, this is King David's final advice to his son Solomon, okay? Now you also know that Joab, the son of Zeruiah, did to me what he did to the two commanders of the armies of Israel, to Abner, son of Ner, and to Amasa, the son of Jether, whom he killed. He also shed the blood of war in peace, and he put the blood of war on his belt, upon his waist, and on his sandals on his feet. So act according to your wisdom, and do not let his gray hair go to Sheol in peace. And let's leave verse 7, show, to whom to show kindness. Okay, that's a part of it. Then verse 8, And behold, there is you Shemai, the son of Gera, the Benjamite of Baharim. Now it was he who cursed me with a violent curse on the day I came to Mahanim. And when he came down with me on Jordan, I swore to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death with the sword. Now therefore do not let him go unpunished, for you are a wise man, and you will know what you ought to do with him, and you will bring his gray hair down to Sheol with his blood. First thing he is telling him, this we have to understand, why are these things recorded? A father's advice to a son, a king's advice to the next king. Okay, why are these things recorded over there? The reason these things are recorded over there is because, you see, we need to realize, my father's enemies are my enemies. My father's sins are passed on to me. My father's iniquity is passed on to me. So if I don't deal with it, it will repeat in my life and my children's life. Remember that. Okay, remember that. Deal with it. Deal with them. You know, which are repetitive. So, you know, you look back and every one of us sitting here, we know our father, we know our mother. Don't go back to grandfather, grandmother, leave it. Other than that, what they have told you about their parents. But you look into them and you know, There is a cycle. It can be physical of sickness, diabetes, um, BP. I hope you kids have come and you are serious because I had said I don't want non-serious children. This is very serious. So if you don't listen, if you are 
If you are distracted, I don't want distraction here. Okay, I'm very serious about it. I would rather that you go back and then sit here and be distract others. Be very, very serious. Okay, the six days. I told Ma that I don't want children here and distracting us. Okay, so sit here and listen. Don't look here and there. Okay, because I don't want the adults being distracted because of the children. So remember, it can be a physical sickness, diabetes, BP, anything, just passed down. It's your father's sickness. It's your father's enemy has become your enemy. Your father was crippled by them and you are also crippled by it. It is physical. Okay, now... Everything you need to realize, whether it is a sickness, whether it is an emotional thing, it's a family thing, families go through divorce and you see it continues in their children. Okay, Financial thing, it goes through and you will see your father was in debt, your grandfather was in debt, you are also in debt. Okay, continues. But you have to come through and realize the bloodline has changed. That in Christ you are a new creation and you have to kill those enemies. You have to kill those enemies. And that is the real, real thing. You have to fight your father's enemies and you have to put them to death through the, through, through by faith. Because faith is a real thing. It's only by faith you appropriate the power of the kingdom of God. Don't, don't ever take it as a status quo. Okay. I, I, I have to live with it unless God tells you. Like God told Paul and God told Jesus three times. They asked three times. Three times. First time, they did not stop it first time. They didn't stop it two times. They went third time. In the mouth of two or three, third time, they said, okay, Lord, we take it. This is your perfect will for me that I go through this situation. So now this is not a sickness. This will enhance my capability. It's no longer a sickness. It aids me in my purpose to fulfill you. Remember, that's why they both, you took at these two people, asked three times. And the third time when God said, no, they understand this is not just permissive will. This is the perfect will of God for me. So you have to understand, David has enemies, Solomon is king. And he's saying, my enemies will be a stumbling block for you. If you don't deal with them, you will also go through the process I went through. Okay, went through. So kill them. You have to use your wisdom, finish them off. Don't accept the status quo. Don't show mercy where you should not show mercy, you know. So don't tolerate these because we have to see the physical and we have to see the spiritual. Okay, we have to speed it because a lot of people, you know, accept sickness in their bodies. Accept sickness in their bodies because our head is full of medical knowledge, which is good. I'm not seeking there is a sickness and there is its symptom. Treat the symptom with medicines. I'm not saying always you have to use the symptoms with your medicines, but kill that sickness because ev almost every sickness has a spiritual root. That's why Jesus dealt with the demons. The demons are spiritual and you will see the sickness going. Okay, I'm not saying all, but you will have to make qualitative changes to your life, everything. That's why God first says, if any man is going to do my will, offer your body. You will have to change your eating habits, exercise habits, sleeping habits. You will have to change everything. But you are not going to change this unless you understand purpose. If you don't understand purpose, and the purpose, like I was telling Pastor Vijay, I told him, what did I tell you, Vijay, about uh, there is uh, emotion, there is passion and there is addiction. No, we are neither emotional nor are we addicts. We are passionate. We are passionate. You know, always understand the difference between this. I told him with, with us the issue is that we can get so addicted with the word we forget our families.
No. And because what we are addicted is a good thing, we forget sometimes the better thing. Now, what we are addicted, that's the dangerous of the, the addiction of a good thing. Okay. This is an absolutely good holy thing. But you can get so addicted to it or addicted to your ministry is a good thing. We are not addicted to anything, but we are passionate about those things. Okay, That's why God says that even when you are prophesying, remember, the spirit of man is in control. You can always stop it. You cannot say, oh, I had no control. God says, I will never do to, to any man. I will teach you to use your wisdom and discernment to stop the good thing and do the better thing. Because it's all according to time and faces and relative things. Always. That's how God works. God will never take your free will, your autonomy away. But we have to learn how to use it. So there are enemies. And they are some of the our enemies of our father's enemies. And those enemies have to be destroyed. Have to be have to be consistently fought and destroyed. Then you will see again, there are our enemies. You will see in First Kings chapter 2. Okay? There are uh, uh, not uh, two, but um, um, you will see Solomon. When you will come to Solomon, you will see Solomon now sees his enemies. Now, we, we, we don't go into the details, but I'll explain to you. You see, Solomon is the younger son. But the father has picked him up and God has picked him up. First, God has picked him and his father also has picked him. He's got an elder brother called Adonijah. Called his elder brother called Adonijah. Now, it's his own elder brother. But his elder brother is a threat to the throne. And he already is trying to usurp the throne when the father is alive. There are two sons over there. So all the two sons will always play. Absalom is dead. Adonijah is there. Solomon is there. David is still alive and he's still king. Adonijah is trying to usurp the throne and he gets, and they're all political. There's all things happening. Adonijah, what he does, he throws a whole party, calls everybody, but he doesn't call Nathan. He doesn't call Zadok. Nathan is the prophet. Zadok is the priest, but he takes Abiyadar. And he takes the commander of the army that he takes, Job. Okay, now, and then they hear about it, they go to uh, David and they say, do you know this is what has happened? And David says, how can that happen? He says, Nathan, Zad- Abiathar, um, no, Zadok, and he calls the leader of his uh, guards and says, put my son on the mule, anoint him as the next king. Okay, next king. Now Solomon knows very well, if his throne has to be established, he has to get rid of Adonijah. He has to get rid of Adonijah. He has to get rid of Job. Father's enemy has become the son's enemy. And even if he is a priest, for so these are positions of influence. Apiatar is there. He has to be taken out. He's not killed, but he has he has to told to leave the temple. Now you need to realize how he is handling the situation. How he is handling the situation. Okay. He, uh, he shows mercy to his brother and he says, as long as you don't turn your hands against me, you are fine because he's holding on to the, holding on to the horns of the, this thing. He says, let him go. But then he comes back and he goes to Solomon's mother, Bathsheba, and says, I have one request. Bathsheba doesn't understand, but Solomon gets it. He says, I have only one request. Can I have that girl, Shuhag, right? The concubine, David's last 
queen or not queen, concubine. Last, can I have her as my wife? She's a very young girl. Can I have her as my wife? And uh, Solomon understands. He says, kill him. Because that's why you will always see in that biblical history and that history you will see when a king is dead, like Saul is dead, uh, or David is, uh, Absalom takes over the throne, the reason Ahitophel takes, he says, take your father's ten concubines and sleep with them is to see that you enforce your authority. That is how it is. Enforce your authority. Okay? So when he is asking for David's concubine, he is actually in way claiming the throne. Okay? The reason God told kings not to multiply wives is the reason is that loyalties will be divided. The throne power structure will be at stake. Okay? Power structure will be at stake. Okay? So now what's happening? Absalom is killed. Sorry, Adonijah is struck down. He is killed. Job goes and holds on to the horns of the altar, but he is given no mercy. He said, strike him down. Kill him there. Even he's holding over there. He has crossed the line. He he cannot have mercy. And then you will see Abhyadar is told to leave. And you look at what scripture actually talks about. <coughs> first Kings, first King. First you will see verse 12. Mm-hmm. Two twelve. First, this is okay. He be, David. Okay, Solomon sat on the throne of his David, his father, and his kingdom was firmly established. Okay. Now we come to verse forty six. Two forty six. Now, so the king commanded Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. He went out and fell upon him. This is whom upon Job, so that he died. Thus, the kingdom was established in the hands of Solomon. The kingdom of God will be established in us only when the enemies of the king are destroyed. Otherwise, it will not be. There is a, the kingdom is within us. Jesus said the kingdom is within us. And it's the kingdom of Solomon. Okay? He means peace. Okay? You will see that Solomon never lost a war. His enemies never prevailed against him. Okay? So if the kingdom has to be established in us, we have to identify the sins of our fathers and our own sins. They are our enemies. They are not our friends. Those are sins which have come to us, come to us through our parental line. So it repeats. Okay. Now, my, my father, uh, my father drank, but I don't drink. I don't drink. Okay. I don't drink. It could pass on to his other sons. But just because once habit of my father passed over me, and because that was the most visible one, I should not say, okay, that was the main thing. I thank God I don't have it, but I have to look at the other ones. Other ones, as it passed on to me. Have to pass on to me. Okay, and fight those things. Okay, and also it could Pass over me and pass on to my son. Okay. So you have to look at your father's sins and then you will see, you know what? You look at certain things which are not, not good things, bad things and say, my father was never like this. But how come I am like that? <laughs> okay. Now this may not be your grandfather's or your father's also. This is your sin. Okay. Apiathar was never David's enemy. 
Abiathar was that. That's why he said, I will not kill you. Because one, you bore the ark. And second, through all my father's sufferings, you were there with my father. Abiathar, when Saul killed everything, Abiathar ran and found refuge with. Through all the sufferings of David, Abiathar was there. But the problem was when David became old and Adonijah starts rising, he switched his allegiance to Adonijah without seeking the Lord to find out that it was Solomon. Therefore, he didn't kill Abiathar. Okay, so we need to, need to realize, Abiathar was never Solomon's enemy. Abiathar may have been, never been my father's enemy. But Abiathar could become my enemy. Okay, so you have to look at your father's, whatever, also yours. And you have to deal with all these things. If you don't deal, and you have to, it's, it's a, it's a process. It's a, it's not in one day God shows anything. God shows that never will happen. But he will show you constantly. The whole thing is that, because some of you missed it in the beginning, the whole thing is that, if you don't see it, and if you don't constantly are in this search, the kingdom will never be established in us. The kingdom of God has to be established in us for the perfect will of God to be fulfilled through us. Like I said, there were 7,000 who did not bend their knees before Baal in the time of Ahab. But we only hear about Elijah. Because Elijah was the one who destroyed all the enemies in his life. Therefore, the will of God was fulfilled in his life. Okay. Second thing, because we are continuing in that process. Remember, we have to deal. Let's go to uh, to the book of Esther. Okay. Because we are on a fast and Esther, good girl, was on a fast. Okay. So let's go to Esther. We'll come after Nehemiah. And I want you to look at Esther. And chapter uh, 2, chapter 2 and verse 5. Okay. Esther chapter 2 and verse 5. Now there was a Jew in Susa, the capital, whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jer, the son of Shemai, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. Okay. This is Esther's cousin. This is Esther's household. Now if you go to chapter 3, and verse 1, after these events, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamedatha, the Agagite, and advanced him and established authority over all the princes who were with him. So you have two characters coming over there. Okay, You have Mordecai and Esther, and you have Haman. Now if you look at it, if you look at the whole, why, why, why did we look at it? We looked at David, we looked at Solomon. And David is giving very good advice to Solomon saying, watch out for the enemies of your father. Because if they they were not loyal to your father, they will not be loyal to you too. They will not be loyal to you too. So watch out in a kingdom I told you on, uh, on Wednesday or Sunday, that the most important part of establishing a kingdom is loyalty. If loyalty is not there, it doesn't matter what all other things God can add, can change structure. That's why God says, love your God with all your heart, all your might, all your strength. But that's got to do with loyalty. It's nothing to do with emotions. It's not feeling. It's loyalty. Because you can only, that's why Itai comes over there. Because your loyalty is always, always tested in bad times. Good times, everybody is loyal. See, feasting, everybody is loyal. Fasting, everybody is not loyal. Because it demands something from you. Good times, nothing is demanded. You are receiving. 
So that's where Itai comes and says, Itai says, it's bad time for me. What are you hanging around with me? Go to the new king. He says, no, Lord, in life or death, in good times or bad times, my heart is with you. Okay, my heart is with you. So that's that's what you have to realize. That's what God, David in his old age is telling Solomon. Solomon, watch out for your the enemies of your father. Because if they were not loyal to me, they will not be loyal to you. They may be loyal to you as long as you have power. But if there is a struggle in your kingdom, be very careful. If they see you getting weak, they will switch over to the other side. So be careful about them. Don't entrust things into their hands. Loyalty is very, very important in the kingdom because your father's enemies will be your enemies. So you have, when you come to Esther, and we, because I said we are looking in terms about Esther and fasting and prayer and all, when we have these two narratives given over there, and it's very simple, we can forget it if you don't look at it. First thing we see is that you have mentioned Mordecai, and she is his cousin, Mordecai. And he's the son of Jair, the son of Shemai, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. Okay? And then you have Haman, who is a Agagite. Now you look at over there and it says, hey, you know Mordecai and uh, Esther come from the line of Benjamin, of Saul. The, the king, the first king, the first king of Israel was from the tribe of Benjamin, it was Saul. And the commission that was given to Saul was to kill the Amalekites. And because he did not kill the Amalekites, a thousand years later, when there is a Jew from that same race, the Amalekite has risen against them. Because you did not kill your father's enemy. Agakite. Okay, he spared Agag. Remember. Okay, it's the same line. If you, I, I, lo, I, I did a math. In my math, it is a rough math, okay? It is, uh, 40 years of Joshua uh, in wilderness and okay, you look at it, <coughs> 80 years plus 430 years of judges plus 490 years of kings. Roughly a thousand years later. Thousand years later. Okay, you're looking at it. A thousand years later, you have the Agaka is coming up, the Amalekah is coming up again. Because the first time we hear about Amalek is when Israel came into the wilderness. That's when the battle begins. Okay? And the Amalek is surfacing. So the first king, when he is commissioned by God, is that finish them off. Don't let any survivor. Why are you doing it? For your subsequent generations. But you don't, sometimes we don't realize when God will tell me and Vijay and Abel, over here and says, deal with these issues in your life. But why should it? It's not, it's not affecting me. It's, it's not that it doesn't affect you. It should not affect your children and your grandchildren. So you deal with it now. Kill them off now. Kill them off now. No, those are parents over sitting, mothers sitting over here. No, why does God say, deal with it now? Because you don't want your daughter and your granddaughter becoming like that. You may be able to handle it and the reason you're handling it is not because you're handling it, it's because your husband may be a very kind, long-suffering man. But her husband, your granddaughter husband, may not be that man. May not be that man. So therefore, you deal with it now. So she doesn't have to deal with it then. And she may not be able to deal with it then. Okay. Because Saul did not deal with it then. Now your people are captives and an enemy has risen. And what is he planning and plotting? To destroy your entire race. I told you to destroy his entire race. Now a thousand later, year later, he has risen. You have no power. 
you are captives. You are captives over here. You are living in a strange land. A king has risen. The king has exalted this man because the king has no clue what is happening, the inside spiritual war that is happening. That This man has risen over there and this man is going to use access to the king to destroy your race. And if God did not have an Esther over there, that would have been the end because the annihilation of the Jews because it's got to do with the king and the kingdom. So, so if we don't see the kingdom and the king, we will miss all this up. We will miss, what am I fasting for? What am I praying for? What does the church exist? What am I going to church for? What am I listening to the word? It is having no effect on so many people because their focus is not king or the kingdom that is within them. It is not. Until that becomes, we will never, 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 ever, our, our, even our prayers won't be effective. It will be effective for us. It is not effective for the kingdom. If I say my prayer was answered, that's not the question. My question is the answering of my prayer, how did it advance the kingdom? How did it bring glory to my king? I got a healing and then I went back to studies and did my own thing. How did it affect the kingdom? What did my healing make a difference to the kingdom? You always have to look in terms of the king and the kingdom. Otherwise, we will realize our lives and the power and our salvation so so much wasted. So when you look <coughs> over there, the first time, if you look over there, in Genesis 36 and verse 12, if somebody could quickly find it. Somebody can find Exodus 17. Somebody can find Genesis 36 and verse 12. Now, Timna was the concubine of Eliphaz. Okay. Esau's son and she bore Amalek. Yeah, okay, so we will see who Amalek is. Amalek is Esau's grandson. Right? And if you look at, you have Abraham. That's fine. Isaac is there. And then you have, see, out of Sarah's womb, only Isaac came. There was an Ishmael and there were the others. Ishmael was from Hagar's womb and the others were from Keturah's womb. But Abraham and Sarah's union, there's only one child. One child, only Isaac. Okay. Then you have Isaac and Rebekah. Here only Rebekah. But the issue is here, from Rebekah's womb and Isaac and Rebekah's union, there are two children. Esau and Jacob. That's the problem. The father is the same, the mother is the same. If one is different, we can always negotiate. Okay? Which is that you need both true. Okay? In this case, both are true. Father is true, mother is true, and there are two children. And in these children, even when they are in their mother's womb, God has already spoken the destiny. The young, the elder shall serve the younger. Younger shall. Okay? The younger is the one that is chosen. So you have Esau and Jacob, and it is Jacob that is chosen, and that is not so out of Esau will come Amalek. Out of Esau will come Amalek. And out of Isaac will uh, Jacob will come Israel. See, Amalek is the enemy of Israel. So you will see when Israel is comes out as a nation, and we will see in Exodus 17 and verse 8, please read. You have Amalek coming to attack, and then in verse 8, we will see the battle begins. Yeah? Okay, I, I will I'll get it. And Amalek came mm. and fought Israel at Rephidim. Yeah, Amalek came and started fighting Israel. You see, Amalek will never 
you, if you think Amalek will just come and surrender, he won't. Amalek will never surrender. He will always fight. Amalek has to be subdued. You cannot have a peace treaty with Amalek. You cannot negotiate with Amalek because of what has been spoken in the spiritual well. Amalek knows, but Amalek will not. So scripture says Amalek came and fought Israel at Rephidim. And verse 11 will say over there. Whenever yeah? Moses held up his hand, mm. Israel prevailed, mm. and whenever he lowered his hand, So it's, it's very clear. It's a physical battle, okay? But the battle is also spiritual. If it was a physical battle alone, all you need is Joshua to fight in the physical realm. If you see it only has a physical, okay, I have this issue, I'm struggling with this addiction, and it's a physical battle, and I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to fight it. It's not going to work. It's a physical battle, yes, you have to have physical things. It's also a spiritual battle. So Moses is handling the spiritual part. Joshua is handling the physical part. You have to deal with both. If you don't deal with both, you're not going to win. Okay? You will not going to win. Even if you win, it will come back in your next generation. Because you didn't finish him off spiritually. You're getting it? Because if it was only a physical rattle, because a lot of people are there in the, in the, in the world who have no clue, who have given up drinking, who have given up smoking, have this thing. Okay. But they never won the spiritual battle. They never won the spiritual battle. That is the key. The spiritual part is what you have to notice. The thing is that the spiritual part about is this. If, because Amalek represents your whole flesh. Not one struggle in your flesh. And the danger of blind people, the secular people or the people in the world or even Christians who are spiritually blinded, are blinded. They don't understand the whole nature of the spiritual battle. Because you are blinded and you are very carnal that let us say Mahendra sitting over here, okay? Mahendra is struggling with uh, an addiction. And because the addiction is so much visible, we, oh my gosh, I need to fight it, I need to fight it, I need to get rid of it, okay? And because he gets rid of it, rid of it, and because it's so physical and this thing, we don't even realize it. Hey, good job. Oh, he doesn't drink anymore. Doesn't drink anymore. But then what happens is, he didn't overcome his flesh. He only overcame that part that was visible. But it was a spiritual battle because he did not overcome the spirit of Amalek. That fellow just goes around and comes in another direction, in a different form altogether. Now he is in love with the Hindu girl. And he's not going to listen to anybody. He wants to marry that girl and he goes around and marries that girl. Now, because it is not visible like alcoholism, we don't realize he has already short-circuited his entire generations. Because we don't see the trap. We don't see how the trap was set. The enemy can come back and set you a trap. Now, if the problem is not with the Hindu, please don't understand. God is not making a social comment or a cultural comment or a religious comment. He's talking about a heart that is divided. Who, where, what is going to happen to Mahendra? Mahendra will never be able to fulfill God's purpose. 
because scripture says Solomon married these foreign women and they turned his heart away from God. The problem is not with the women. The problem is with your heart. Will you go through suffering in life? No. If you don't want to serve God, no issues at all. Will the kingdom be established inside you? Never. Will you fulfill the purpose of the king? Never. In this life, you may go through a very peaceful, actually tolerant life because the Hindus are very happy with you. You are part of them. Because now you will have Ganapati during that season and the Christmas day during season, they will say you are actually tolerant. The society accepts you. But in the moment Jesus comes or death comes in, or you will realize, oh gosh, I lost everything in eternity because I compromised. And I did not even realize I was compromised. I was set up. I was set up. I was set up. So people, this is what we are talking about. We, I believe to most of us or all of us, God is not even able to reveal his will or his plans to us. Because of the nature of the battle, we don't, we see it as, it has only physical and we don't see it as, as spiritual. So God had made a promise in Exodus 17 and verse 16. He had said, Lord has sworn, God has already made his covenant and promise in the spiritual realm. Mm. From, generation from generation to generation. Generation to generation. will. So that battle cannot stop. That battle cannot stop. You will see the first battle they won because there was a spiritual intervention in the spiritual realm at the hill. Moses was praying, interceding and a physical intervention. Joshua was fighting at both realms. So they subdued Amalek. Both realms you have to fight. If you only are looking at the physical, because that is the problem with strong-willed people. Strong-willed people can do a lot of things in their lives, even good things. If you want to quit, you can quit because your will is very strong. Will is very strong. Okay, I'm going to quit smoking. And you quit smoking. I don't need the spiritual. I don't even see the spiritual. I can. And a lot of people who says I can, they can. They can. But the problem is they can and they do, but because they are spiritually blind, they do not realize they have been set up in another area. They don't see that at all because they are spiritually blind. So when God's saying that you have to be absolutely very, very clear that you are handling it at two levels. Okay? So Solomon, you will see, handles it at the physical level. He dis- destroys all his physical enemies and the kingdom is established. Okay? Destroys all the sinner. And you will see that is where in fasting and praying, what we are asking is, Lord, I need discernment. The purpose of fasting is per- primarily that the flesh slowly weakens and the spiritual opens. That, Lord, I have discernment to make wise decisions. Because a lot of decisions will look good term, short term, or even physically long term if you are spiritually blind. Like when Solomon made all these decisions, it was looked very good for Israel. He made peace with all his enemies. Nobody, Egypt was their enemy, would not fight Israel at all because he's married the Pharaoh's daughter. It all looks absolutely. But spiritually, if you look at it, it was damaging for Israel. 
subsequent generation. It was damaging. So it may look good for me now, but eternally it may be incredibly damaging. And the beginning of salvation is an opening of our eyes where we see the kingdom and we understand the everlasting kingdom. And God is saying, fight this battle. Do not mess up your eternity. Do not be so. That's why he says, fix your eyes on those things. That that doesn't mean we are not earthly sensitive. Very sensitive earthly. Solomon was very sensitive with his earthly kingdom. Okay, but he was also in the beginning, was also a very spiritual young man. Because we are living in a spiritual world. But we are controlled by spiritual, physical world, but we are controlled by spiritual forces. Controlled by spiritual forces. If we don't realize the end, Entire system is controlled by spiritual forces. That's why scripture actually talks about spiritual enemies in Ephesians 6. It talks about spiritual armor. It talks about spiritual weapons. And it, yet it calls us to fight. It calls us to fight. It actually tells us to fight. And therefore, you will see throughout in the gospel accounts, you will have these two things. There is a physical thing and a spiritual thing. They will deal with the demonic, which is the spiritual, and you see a healing that is in the in the physical. You will see they deal with the demonic, and you will see a deliverance that is there in the physical. And if you don't do it, because if you don't see the spiritual part of it, a point will come, the spiritual has so much power, even your will is manipulated. Okay. Now God has said thou shalt not steal. Why did he say thou shalt not steal? Because it's against his righteousness. His kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness. But what you don't realize is when you steal, there are stealing spirits. There are lying spirits. There are stealing spirits. There are lying spirits. There are stealing spirits. Okay? The devil. Spirits are there which which are what you call it excellent in stealing. Because that's their nature, the stealing spirit. So if Judas walks with Jesus and he continues stealing, the stealing spirit is having more and more and more power over his soul. To the point he will finally use his will to sell Jesus off. First he stole from the owner and finally you sell the owner. Okay? You have to realize that's how it is happening. So that is why we tell people, understand these things and don't think I can handle it. Because what is happening at a spirit, at a physical level, you are saying, I only took 10 rupees. But with that 10 rupees, you gave access to a spirit. Access to a spirit. And as it continues, that spirit is having more and more influence over you without even realizing the spiritual. And one day, Scripture says, he went over to the devil, entered him. It didn't enter in one day, but he was giving him access, access, access granted, access granted, access granted, access granted. And you never ever said at in between, at any point, access denied. Access granted, access granted, access granted. The same thing happened. It could be a some completely different thing. You know, you could be using something to access something else. Okay, that's why Jesus is very, he's protecting us from the spiritual realm. He says, when you do these things, do these things in secret. 
This is to protect yourself because you have no idea of the spiritual realm. There are things which we do in public and there are things which we do in secret. But he says, first practice the secret so they do not have access to your soul. When you pray, when you fast, when you give, do it in secret. Do it in anonymity. Because you know, oh, I, I, I want to do, I want to do an offertory. So you come and ask Pastor Vijay or me or whoever is in charge, can I do an offertory? But why did you go? You have to ask yourself. Do you want to serve God or do you just want to showcase your talent? If you want to showcase your talent, then say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go to Pastor Vijay at all. Why? Because I have to protect myself. I have to protect myself. First thing you have to ask yourself is, I'm a consistent, I'm, God has given me my talent and the talent is real, real and God has given me that talent. But do I sing in private? If I don't sing in private, why should I sing in public? If I don't worship him in secret, why should I go onto the stage and worship him in public? I'm protecting myself. So God in this, this thing is protecting our soul. Because you can do something which is outwardly right for absolutely wrong reason. That's what Peter is telling Ananias and Sapphira. Do you know? Did you know that you got into an agreement with the devil? Did you understand the spiritual world? Absolutely what they did outwardly was good. It would have been a very good blessing also for the, if somebody sells their land and brings two lakhs or three lakhs or four lakhs or five lakhs or ten lakhs, you know, for, uh, for years, or no, for a whole year we could run LHL because a person who might haven't even met, but he heard my message, got saved, and when he got saved, uh, he had written in his will that I have a piece of plot of land and when it sells, this much should go to Pastor James. So I got a check for two lakh rupees. Was it a blessing? Yes. But do I know that man? I don't know that man. So if Ananas and Sapphira's money would have been a blessing for the ancient church? Yes. But would it have been a blessing for them? No. So the first thing God was teaching the church is that don't do something which could be a blessing for somebody else and a curse for you. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do that. It will be a blessing for the church. It will be judgment for you. So to protect us, he used these two. Let me ask you, offering worship to God is good? Yes. But if it is profane? I mean, God can accept the fire, but that fire is killing you. So you have two people dying there and two people dying here. Because he says, understand the spiritual realm. You are not operating in the physical realm alone. Physical realm alone. You are operating also in the spiritual realm. So constantly judge your heart. Constantly judge your heart. It's not that you will be condemned to hell. No. Because you have children. You are sons and daughters. But you will end up without losing your inheritance. There is an inheritance reserved for you. But it has to be given that day. Given that day. You know why if you look at today, today's world, why are young people... Um, so depressed, even if you have an engineering degree. Why? Because there are too many engineers and few jobs. 25 years ago, 30 years ago, when our generation passed out of engineering college, nobody searched for a job. Job search for them. Okay? Job search for them. There were more jobs available for qualified personnel. 
All you needed was to qualify yourself. Jobs were there. Okay. So God said there is an inheritance over there. Qualify yourself. That inheritance cannot be given to unqualified people. And the devil will set you up after you are saved to see that you disqualify yourself. That's what Paul is talking about. After having preached, I should not be disqualified. Eternity. Disqualified. No. Imagine there are doctors in heaven. There are no doctors in heaven. But there are doctors in heaven. And that could be an incredibly profession you can be. And Dr. Richard here is the best doctor on earth, but disqualified in heaven. Can you imagine? If that happens. You are the best engineer on earth, built all these incredible buildings, but God says there you won't be able to, you won't be even a mason there. Forget an engineer. Because you are disqualified because of the way you worked, not what you did, how you did it. God says, don't forget this. That's why through the Gospels, keep your eyes fixed. Keep your eyes fixed on that. On the, When you say keep your eyes, not walk on earth looking up. It's not talking about understand how the kingdom works. How understand every word matters. Everything that you say, everything how you do it, everything will go into your final evaluation sheet. Everything is mattered. You know, that's why if you look at, I mean, I don't... Uh, recommend it, but if you look at these beauty pageants, actually you're supposedly be judged for your beauty, but why do they ask them questions? General knowledge questions. Because <laughs> they just, just don't want beautiful girls, they want beauty and brains. So ultimately the one who wins, it's because the one who <coughs> gave good answers. So you will say they are coached on, this could be the kind of question you get, this is the kind of answer you have to give. So yet it is a beauty contest. <laughs> So you have to look at what God is actually telling about. He says if you are earthly focused, even if you are successful, you will be disqualified there. But if you are heavenly minded, you understand how the kingdom works. There is a spiritual and a physical. That's why Ephesians 6 will say, put on the armor, put on the armor. The armor is a spiritual armor. Armor is a spiritual armor. It's not a physical armor. Physical armor, it makes no difference in the spiritual warfare. It's a spiritual armor. And and, uh, scripture says, the enemy comes to steal. That's the... You see, you have to read scripture and understand scripture on scripture terms. You are not... Do not fight flesh and blood. But you are waging war with powers of darkness. And the funny thing is when you are fighting powers of darkness, they don't come and fight you. They come and steal from you. The enemy comes to steal. Okay, And if you look at it, every successful thief, successful thief, remains anonymous. You noticed? Every thief is caught, it's not successful. <laughs> Every, so there are in every country, every this thing, you will say, this is a crime that has never been solved. Nobody knows. The, f- the robbery was fantastic, but we never was able to catch the robber because every successful robber remains anonymous. Second, he always covers his tracks. That's why he was never caught. He always covers his track. Third, not only he covers his tracks, he also does it in such a way, he puts the blame on somebody else. 
he puts evidence <laughs> in such a way that he steals but it looks like somebody else stole and somebody else is arrested when that that's why now until dna and all this thing came people were in, incarcerated for 30 years 40 years then new evidence they realized oh man we don't know who did it but this man never did it because a dna match is in there so scripture says the enemy comes to steal and this is a spiritual <coughs> enemy if it's a spiritual enemy and you have to fight a spiritual battle you need spiritual discernment Without spiritual discernment, you will never. That is why in the spiritual armor, the first thing that is mentioned is the belt of truth. And that's why God says, please don't get offended by the word. One way you have to understand how the enemy works in the church or when you are hearing the word is causing you to be mad at the word you are hearing. That way you lose your discernment. Because the discernment comes from the word and the word is truth. And when truth has worked in you, you have repented. Once you have repented, you have fastened the belt of truth. Fasten the belt of truth. And you have to be very, 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 Jesus says, don't get offended. Don't get offended. Why? Because if you get offended, you will not. You see, what happens is, I will tell you how this has happened. There is an act there is a thought. There is a thought and there is an act. Before every act, there is a thought. Okay? There is a thought. In some cases, there is a thought. There is a word spoken and there is an act. In some cases, there is a thought and there is a act. That's why God is called, Jesus is called the word of God. Okay? That's how God thinks. Now, the problem is, the enemy is such a successful thief. And he covers his tracks well and passes on his act into somebody else's hand is, is because, let us say, Mahendra does something. He puts that thought into Mahendra and causes Mahendra to do it, but the enemy has covered his tracks so well so that Mahendra thinks that the thought which caused the act both was his. Well, the thought originally was never his. It was put into his mind as Mahendra's. And the enemy covered his track so well, so that Mahendra thinks it is his thought. If he had known it was not his thought, he would have rejected that thought, or at least contemplated about it and said, hey, how come I am thinking this way? But because the enemy covered his act so well, Mahendra received that thought as his thought, which leads to an act. And now what has happened? Mahendra in this physical realm is the culprit. Because he did it. In the spiritual realm also he thinks I am the culprit. Because both the thought and the act are mine. That is why God is telling us to meditate upon the word day and night. Let your thinking be according to. So you have the discernment to catch the thief when he is putting the thought in. If you are able to catch him there. You can save yourself a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. And it's, it's impossible without the word. If you look at Hebrews 4 and verse 12, everybody knows it or should know it very, very well. Please read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 4.12. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living. It's living. And active. Active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the division of soul and spirit. Mm-hmm. 
discerning because you can be an in- devout christian who reads his word regularly meditates upon the word memorizes the scripture and yet think your own way because stage 1 is your mind this is your mind stage 2 is how you think the baby doesn't think the baby doesn't think it only reacts to impulses it has no thoughts because it has no words That's what Paul is telling Timothy. Infancy, you knew scriptures. That's why I keep telling everywhere in different languages. Please look at the Word of God as a language in itself. It is written in many languages, but the Word of God is like. How does God think? This is how He thinks. Meaning, understand His ways of thinking. That's what Moses is asking. Teach me your ways. He is not telling me teach me the Torah. Torah is not even given. teach me to think the way you think this is how you think teach me to think the way you think that is the key in spiritual warfare in fasting in prayer in everything what you are going to do is you are saying lord help me first to meditate upon your word that my thinking pattern is like yours so that the spiritual realm i understand thoughts can be put in but i will be able to discern the thought and the intentions i'll be able to discern this is not of you or even if it is of you or if it aligns with your thinking my the intention is not yours intention is yours okay because a thought can be your can the enemy can put a thought which aligns with the word of god if you are the son of god jump the angels will catch you because it is written the thought aligns with god's word but god will never jump and show off jesus is not a show off and a true believer is not a show off that's why i always tell when you hold your microphone don't hold it like this hold it like this the world holds it like because he is performing god's children are not performing the way you hold your microphone because you learned it from the stage that's why i always ask you even when you dance in church where did you learn to dance I'm telling in the church in our church the only one who learned learn to dance in the church is me because I never ever learned to dance in the world I learned to dance in the church Where did you learn to dance where did your steps come from Because I have this Christmas time I have lots of people from the northeast and all sending me videos of their little children and I look at them said baba pastor baba they call me no Though I have known them only for a few days, this thing and all, they all send me saying, uh, "My daughter learned it on, and she's singing a Christmas song." And I look at the song and the dance. The song is wonderful. Oh my God! How do I even tell them? Your daughter is dancing and unbelievably. 
carnal, voluptuous dance. There's nothing spiritual about it. Nothing spiritual about it. No. We have to ask all these things. That is why God is separating Israel, taking him into the desert so that they can frame their thinking. But God knew they would fail the first generation, but he got a second generation whose framing, thinking was framed by the word of God. Absolutely framed by the word of God. Okay. You look at Esther chapter 3 and verse 2. Look at what is written over there. Chapter 3 and verse 2. All the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman. For the king had so commanded concerning him, mm-hmm. but Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage. Mordecai refused. They have a situation over here. There is Haman and there is the king. And there are all the people in that place. Everybody bows to Haman. Mordecai refuses. Because Mordecai is a true Jew. Who will not bow down to Haman. Now if this is a spiritual thing. If you are a true Mordecai. You will not bow down to any thought that is of the flesh. You will not bow down to that thought. Forget the act. You will not bow down to that thought. Because if you bow down to that thought. You will ultimately end up bowing down to that action. Surrender never begins with the hands. Surrender begins in your mind. In your mind. It's in your mind you have appropriated all the things. All the things. Like I said, there is nothing neutral in the world. Behind everything there is an ideology and there is a spirit commanded into that. So, we also have an ideology which is called the kingdom of God and we have been given a spirit that is called the Holy Spirit. And there is nothing neutral. Nothing neutral. Yet, God has called us to actually dominate the spiritual kingdom, not the fleshly kingdom. If you look at the servants of God in history, not a single one of them could be touched by demons, but they were killed by people. The demons got into people and people killed them. And God said, you are a martyr for my cause. Don't fight people. Don't do that. People kill you, you are a hero. Don't worry. But demons don't allow them to have the dominion over you. Understand that and fight. First stage one is refuse to accept that thought and bow down to that thought. Okay, bow down to that thought. Okay, but remember, be wise like Esther, Solomon, David. Spiritual alone doesn't solve everything. But that's where it starts. The roots lie there. So when you are fasting and when you are praying and you are asking God, he shows you the roots. So when John the Baptist comes and he says, he says the axe is laid at the roots. When when you cut, that's why when you want to build a house, what do you call? You call the JCB. Why? The JCB comes and takes the tree from the root and pulls it out. Because tomorrow you build, cut the tree like this and build a house over it. So little later you will see the concrete breaking and the tree coming through. Because you did not pull it from the truth. That's what has happened to a lot of us. What happened is we got saved, we built a nice house and we just trimmed the roots. We didn't take the roots up. We cut the plant and said, I am saved. Thank you, Lord. And little later they broke the concrete and the plant is coming out. 
But scripture says the axe will be laid to the root. Okay, laid to the root. And that's, like Solomon, we have to do the physical acts also, the spiritual and the physical. If you don't, if you do one without the other, it will return. When you do both, the spiritual, the kingdom will be firmly established in us. Kingdom will be firmly established in us. But this is, though it is taught in a public setting, this is a very personal battle. A very personal battle. Very, very personal battle. But when you, those of you who are young over here, all of you are young over here, I'm telling you, when you stand before God, you won't be judged the way I was judged. I was at your age. Because at your age, I knew nothing about God, nothing about the word, attended no service in church. At your age. At your age. Okay, remember that. Okay. At your age, not that you understood all that we have taught in all these years, but you have understood at least something. Something. And that something hasn't changed your hearts and your minds and turned your focus towards God. That's why knowledge can be very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. There's something about light. If there is very less light, you don't see. If there is too much light, you are blinded. You still don't see. And I often feel with our church, the issue has happened is people are blinded by too much light. They're not able to see. They're not able to see. Okay? That's a, that's a danger. Danger. Like a Christmas message you have heard so many times. Last Sunday, the Sunday before I preached in the Nepali church and it went to all these countries. You have to look at the responses from the different countries, different churches, different pastors. They say all our life, in all our years of ministry, we have never heard a Christmas message like this. Yet it's common stuff for us. Even the joke I cracked, you already knew from last year. So some of them were saying, watch, you knew it. You know, but what of God is never familiar. That's why, that's the thing about the shepherds, that wonder, that amazement should never go. Never go. Never go. What has happened is that we have started getting familiar with eternal things and we are amazed by the temporary things. Oh, if you go to Ikea, <gasps> and we want to go over and over and over, but we don't visit this over and over because we are not amazed by the depth of God, the awesomeness of God. So we are amazed by the temporary, and we have taken the eternal as casual and natural. And the danger about is that God will not reveal himself to us. He will not reveal us. We'll go through a semblance of salvation, which is even true, true salvation, without growing in our salvation. No? And the thing is that in eternity, you lose it. You lose. Why we tell you all your children when it comes to school, study well, study well, do your homework, study well, study well, study well, study well, is that. Simple reason is that. You know, Lord, I'm telling you honestly to be children. All, you're sitting over there, all of you telling you this thing. No? The better you study, the better you are qualified, the more certificates you are. When you are at in your 20s, you have so many options to choose. 
You're never afraid of your future. Even today, I'm not afraid of my future if I have to leave my ministry. I know I'll get a job tomorrow. Like I can quote my salary and Vijay can. I'm never afraid. Because we have certificates to prove our qualifications. You know we'll get it tomorrow. With blinking, you'll get 35, 40, 45, you can get it. You don't have to worry. It's because when you were a student, you did true honesty, you were honest and did your responsibility as a student and you have got certificates to prove it. That's why we tell you to study well, study well, study well, study well, study well now because a day will come. You don't have to be ashamed and you don't have to be afraid because you've got something and you've made very good use of your time. But if you are sitting in the classroom and looking there and looking there and falling in love when you are in 14 years old, you are goofed up already. You will not succeed in this world. You will not succeed in the coming kingdom because you are already disoriented. Totally disoriented. That's why you say the enemy knows all of you. He will bring that boy or that girl and say, fall in love, please. I will help you too because he knows you got a future and a destiny. That's why you have to be very, very careful. You don't need to know first, who am I? I am a student. What's my purpose? Study. Honor God in my studies. That's what I am. I am doing this for God. I am not doing this for myself. I will use the studies. And when the day and the hour comes, God says, be this. I will be the best I can be. Because I have done my part. God will do his part. I don't have to worry about God's part. This is what I am now. I am a student. But people goof up. During that time, they goof up during studies and then they come to 23, 24, 25, especially in India and you realize, oh my God, for two jobs there are 20,000 applicants. Where do I stand? It's a Lord have mercy. God says, I want to show you mercy, but I can't even show you mercy because if I change the supervisor's heart and put you over there, forget your qualifications. You have no ethical habits at all. You will bring disrepute to my name. You will not work. You will not come on time. You will start stealing from the second week because you have no work ethics. How do I put you over there? I have given you my name. I am not going to mess up my name. You need to realize what the kingdom means. That's why there were seven others, seven thousand others who did not bend their knee. But God only used Elijah. And only his name he knows. He said, yeah, there are plenty. But they have no ethics. They have no work ethics. They have no integrity. They will bow. They haven't bowed, bowed down to Baal, but is anybody visible? No, they're all hiding. This man is not hiding. I told him to hide. He stood before the king and he will stand before the people too. So you have to understand these things, how the kingdom works. I, I say the worst thing to be in this world is a compromised believer. God is against you, the devil is against you. That's what called between, caught between a rock and a hard space. That's when Israel when came out of Egypt and they caught between the Pharaoh and the and the Red Sea, when they cried, God didn't get mad. Okay, you guys just came yesterday, you Kalka believer. He looked at Moses and said, why are you crying? Why are you crying? You are not yesterday's man. You are the guy to whom I met at the burning bush, right? You are the guy to whom I spoke, right? You are the guy to whom I gave a rod and anointed that rod right, with my power. You are the guy I sent out, no? You are the guy who did all these miracles, you saw my power. Why are you crying? You don't have to cry. You, you you just just you just think about it, no? If I were to tell you, stretch your hand. I'm telling you, stretch your hand. Is it very easy? Is it very easy? That's all Moses got told Moses. The Red Sea is before you. Do you know what he told? Stretch your hand. You know how easy it is if you hear from God? 
You're standing there panicking, weeping, wetting your trousers. You're doing all this stuff and all you had to hear from God and God says, that's all he said, stretch your hand. And the river parted, the sea parted, so stretch your hand. But you had to hear. God's solution was so very simple. Stretch your Anybody can stretch your hand? Is there anybody here who cannot stretch your hand? Anybody can stretch your hand. But to hear that which would have opened up your destiny for you, you had to hear. That is the key. That is the key. In the process, God is, you see, God was, God is working, 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 working on our lives to be able to, first thing is able to hear. That discipline, that, that discipline, no, to, to focus. 2019, let it not be like 2018. No, we lose focus, we lose focus. Because where does my deliverance come from? It comes from you. Where does my breakthrough come from? From you. Where does my prosperity come from? From you. Where does my healing come from you? If it all comes from you, then teach me your ways. Teach me your ways. I just don't want healing. I want to walk in my healing. I just don't want deliverance. I want to walk in my deliverance. I just don't want prosperity for today. I want to walk in my prosperity. I want to hold what? I want that kingdom established in me. I don't want the kingdom today and lose it tomorrow. I don't want the crown given to me and then tomorrow the prophet coming and says, it is torn from you. That's like Saul. Kingdom given, kingdom taken. Kingdom given, established in David. Kingdom given, established in Solomon. That's what God is talking about. Kingdom given, kingdom taken. One is talking about power and authority. God says, I don't want to give and take it from you. I don't want to tear it from you. I want to establish it in you. That you walk in your healing. If you want to walk in your healing, I'm telling everybody sitting here, you will have to change your eating habits. Don't wait for a sickness to come to change your eating habits. Change it now so that sickness doesn't come. Change your eating habits. Go, talk to the doctors. Stay, watch, it's good for me. Change. It's, a tongue is just an instrument. With six months, you can change your habits, your taste habits. What is bad for my body? Dr. Richard, tell me. What is bad for my body? What is good for my body? Change it. Simple. Second exercise every day. Not to show man, your biceps is going to make no difference before God. Say, Lord, I want a healthy body and a strong body that I don't tire when you tell me to run. That's what God is saying. If you are tired when you are walking with foot soldiers, what are you going to do with horses? You need it. That's why God is saying, first offer your body. Lord, tell me what to eat and what not to eat. Tell me how to exercise. Tell me how much to sleep. Teach me, Lord, because this is one body I have with which I can serve you and that will bring my reward there. Offer your body. Don't allow. Just we are allowing sickness to come in. We're inviting sickness with a very, very, uh, very, very, what you call, bad lifestyle. I go through Google because the older you go, you go through Google and YouTube to find out because they will tell you at this age, this 10 minutes exercise is enough, which exercises all the muscles in your body and say, thank you, Lord, at 50, I need that. At 52, I need that because you don't have time, but you need to keep your body fit. You cannot at 50 when God is asking you to spend more time with him, have a two hour exercise regime. Where first you go to the gym and that fellow will make you do like this, like this, like this, like this for 15 minutes to get your neck straight. (laughs) You don't have time for that. 
Okay, time for all that thing. Okay? You have to redeem your time also, yet you have only one body. One body. Because these are, you don't realize these are spiritual habits. When the spiritual habits have been worked out in your life in 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 8 years, all the spiritual disciplines upset, rapture takes place, you get a new body. Discipline was set in this body and the actual body was given there. Think about it. Actual body is given there where there is no tiring, there is no lethargy, there is no sickness, but discipline was set here. So discipline is spiritual. Discipline is not physical. Discipline is spiritual. Oh, yes, all these disciplines are spiritual. God says, get now, work out on this, get these spiritual disciplines, and then you get a new body where there is no time, there is no tiredness, but there's plenty of work in your father's house. But discipline has been set. On the other hand, you have this fantastic body, but no discipline set. There you will get even more fantastic body, but no discipline. And father says, so sad, I cannot give you any work. Why, Lord, my body is fantastic. I am not tired. He says, I know you are not tired because I gave you that body. But you have no discipline at all because you did not work on that there. No, work on that. That is why these little, little, little things, I keep telling people, time matters. Time matters. Be on time. On time. There's simply a discipline. Because through the Bible, when you read about Jesus, scripture will say, in the fullness of time. Fullness of time. Fullness of You will never see Jesus late anywhere. It's a discipline. It's a discipline. Even though we are going into eternity where it is timeless, that doesn't mean things can be done out of turn. Though there is no time, yet there is a concept about time. Okay, understand. That's why, please understand. And it begins. Go to school on time. Read school on time. Don't read after the gate is closed. On time. Okay? Take a paper like this with you. You know why? So that as you enter your classroom, you polish your shoes. I carry that in my backpack bag all the time, everywhere I go, that before I enter the church, even when I put my shoes outside, my shoes shine. Because even your shoe is a testimony, you are a servant of the king. Carry it. All things which my father taught who did not know God. You may be in a remote place where nobody is educated, nobody has a watch, nobody wears a butt. Watch out how you dress. And watch out your watch out for your shoes because man looks at the outside, not the inside. God looks at the inside and the outside. You're setting a discipline through your life, through your life, because you don't real, you don't you real. I told you about Jesus Christ and the other teachers. Buddha can be taken away. Buddhism continues. Krishna can be con- taken away, Gita continues, Muhammad can be taken away, Islam continues, Mao is gone, Mao is gone. You take Christ away, there is no Christianity. Because the message and the messenger are the... So what about us? We are the message. We are the message. That's what is called testimony. Our testimony, why, why, do, why do Christians testify? We testify because we are saying, my message and my life 
is the same. He was consistently. We have to grow in consistency. Grow in our consistency. That's why we teach our children, put it away, put it away, put it away. Why we tell parents, let the house not be divided. Let there be one, one unit, the father, the head, and the father. Listen, always wives, listen to the man. Please listen. Because God does, hasn't made you king. He has made you queen. Didn't make you king. Listen to your man. Listen. If you're wise, like Abigail, and your man is foolish, let him be sober and quiet. Then tell him, isn't this the way things needs to be done? Don't subvert authority. I'm telling you, all the girls sitting over here, this is the age of subversion. If you ever get married, first marry a man who knows God. Second, listen to that man. Otherwise, there will be always chaos in your home, also in your workplace. Because God says, you will not receive my power because you have subverted. Subverted. You have subverted. That's why only Sarah is mentioned over there. And that subversion will pass on to your children. All your children will become rebels. Because that spirit is passed. Spirit will pass. Your children will become rebels. It doesn't matter what you do, they will become rebels automatically because they are more open to become rebels because subversion started at home and passed on to the next generation. That's what God is talking about. Subversion. Be very, very killer. Rebecca subverted. Rachel subverted. Leah, all of them you will say manipulates. And you will see the effect on the children. And God says, don't do that. Bathsheba didn't. God got a Solomon out of it. So always learn these fundamental principles of script. If you don't look at the eternity and into the future, you can always have temporary success by subversion. Long term, you will pay a price. And men too. If your heart is not stayed on God and you ask for something which is scriptural, it still will go against you. It will go against you. It will go against you. The pain is Abraham's because he was not stayed on to God. Pain is not Sarah. God did not tell Sarah, Sarah, take Ishmael and throw him out. It doesn't make any difference to Sarah to throw Ishmael out. But Abraham grieved. Abraham grieved because he compromised. Abraham suffered in Egypt because he compromised. Sarah didn't suffer. Sarah didn't suffer at all. In Egypt did she suffer? No, well, this fellow was sleepless in the tent. She's sleeping in the palace. Yet the king won't come near her. Well, this fellow is sleepless. He went and created an Ishmael and got told, throw Ishmael. How does it matter that Sarah or Ishmael is gone? That's not her son. She is not her Isaac. So men also have to be very, very careful about here. Very understand the spiritual realm and the physical realm. The job of the man is to say, I have no head but you, Lord. And I'm absolutely under your headship. I will allow the word to frame my life, my thinking, my thought. Each day passes by, it's more of you and more of your word in my life. That's how it works. That's how it works. Otherwise, there will be division and there will be chaos. So this first day, learn from these people. Moses prayed, Joshua fought. Esther said, let us have a three days of fasting. They fasted. They prayed. They didn't stop there. On the fourth day or the third day, she went, changed her dresses. There was a physical action. She went to the king. Prayer is a spiritual thing. Fasting is a spiritual thing. And there is a physical thing. So when you go through this process of six days, God will show you the spiritual side. 
and then he will tell you to take a spiritual action. And some of you who are struggling with your addictions, the physical action will matter more than the fasting and prayer. You will have to get rid of your phone. You don't need a phone. What do you need a phone for? This generation survived without even a phone. Forget the old BSNL phone also, we didn't know what it looked like at our age. Why do you need a phone? Just ask all these young ones sitting over one, two. All you say, why do you need a phone? Ask this. I don't even understand why you have a phone. <laughs> I asked, I asked, why do you give these kids a phone? Why do they need a phone? What do they need a phone for? I said, I don't understand why you need a phone. Life was so comfortable to all of us before these phones came. It was such a peaceful life. No trouble, no temptation. I'm not telling about those who go to work and all older. I'm asking these kids, why, why does Mahindra need a phone? Think about it. You have a phone? No. <laughs> Don't have a phone. You'll be safe. Without a phone, you are in trouble. Imagine if you had a phone too. <laughs> Think about it. Do you really want victory? You don't need a phone. Lord, I don't want a phone. I'm giving it away because I am putting a premium on my soul. I don't want to watch TV. I don't want a phone. I'll stick to my books and stick to the book. I don't want too many clothes also. Give me, Ma, when you give me clothes, can I pick a color? Just the same color so I don't need matching shoes. And matching socks. How simple is life? Yeah, think about it. How difficult life we make when it is so simple. We make it so and then say, Lord, deliver me. God says, how can I deliver you? Throw your wardrobe out. You will be delivered. <laughs> Give it away. I'm, 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 I'm just telling you now, I'm telling you, you know, I look at all of you and think, Lord, if one Moses or Joshua or Elijah rises out of it, let me at least speak to them. I don't know which one will be. That one, if he's trained and disciplined now and realizes, I'm going to keep my life simple, I'm not going to clutter it with it, I'm going to ordain my time, I'm going to change my thinking. When your time comes, you will rise up like the phoenix out of the ashes and God will use you for your generation because you are disciplined now. And you have got no habit which takes away your time, kills your emotions and your mind is not wandering all over the place. That's your whole purpose. Like the Malayali pastor said, no, when you feed one handful into the mouth, three quarters falls down, but little went in. So the whole thing is that when you preach to a crowd of 100, 150, 200 people, you're off, off hoping, Lord, one disciple I get out of this. Thousands upon thousands, Jesus ministered to God's eleven disciples. That was the purpose. He fed the thousands to get eleven people. With that eleven, he turned the world upside down. And that's how we always look. We look at the crowds and we're saying, Lord, give us one disciple, two disciples. That's all I ask. All become disciples, hallelujah. But at least two, one or two disciples. They will move into the next generation, be God's man, God's woman. That's what we are looking at. Because the kingdom... Commission is to make disciples. Crowds, followers, believers, final stage, disciples. The disciples that God is looking for. And the preaching is to disciples. Preaching is to disciples. Disciples will receive it and say, Lord, make me a disciple. 
disciple. That's why I said always, don't worry about your marks. Worry about whether you are studying or not. Don't worry about your grades. Worry whether you are reading every day and doing your homework every day. That's a discipline. That's a discipline. That's what God is looking at. You have a discipline. You have a discipline. You can be trusted. That if church starts at 9, you will be there at 8.45. You can be trusted. Regularly, regularly, regularly. It's been part of your life stream. You can be trusted. One day for a great thing. That's how we started. In a great house, there are all kinds of vessels. All kinds of vessels. If a man or a woman or a child cleanses himself, there is a part which God does, spiritual. I cannot cleanse my sin in heaven. Only God can, the blood of Jesus. That is spiritual. But there is an action I can take over here. I throw away my phone. I throw away all these clothes that distracts, which takes my time. Distracts, takes my time. Which causes my mind to work. Which causes unwanted attraction. Unwanted attraction. You know your clothes bring unwanted attraction, sadly. Some of you are chased by boys only because of the way you dress. They are asking for attraction which is unneeded. And some of you boys also dress up in ways only to get attraction. You don't realize you are cutting off edges of your destiny and your eternity by your choices you make. Because now that you know the truth, God says stand on it. Stand on it. You don't realize Christmas Day, Christmas the two days earlier when the group came over here, I was watching all of you dance. Every one of you dance. And I could enlarge in the camera and watching the dance, watching the movements. I'm not dancing. <laughs> Just telling. And of course you will tell me you had a blast. Yet I haven't seen any one of you dance in church. Not even a movement. That's why I said, no, if you dance, you should dance everywhere. I sometimes dance like crazy in my own privacy, in my office, when I'm worshipping. Nobody has seen it. I can be absolutely still in church. If you do something, it had to be consistent in your bedroom, in your worshipping God, in the lobby of GSS, and in church. Because that's one person, right? Yet I will tell in church, if you are dancing, I don't mind it. If you are really dancing in your worship, go to the back. Don't dance in the front because you distract the lukewarm ones. As such, they come distracted. Then you don't be the distraction. Go to the back quietly because in worship, I my worship should not distract somebody else. That is why God says when you want to pray, when you want to fast, when you even when you want to worship, give it to you 100% when you are alone because you distract nobody. You distract nobody. That's why I always ask these guys who play the guitar, do you really play like crazy when you are alone? That's why you have to chase Pastor Vijay out of here every night. Because once he's stuck to the word, he doesn't know he has a wife, he doesn't know he has two children, he doesn't know his stomach is hungry, he doesn't know where he is, and I will come and say, Vijay, go home, Vijay, go. Your children are small, go. 
Because you are lost. The only person good to be lost with is God. But he'll wake you up and say, go home. Now that you are lost, you have been found, go home. <laughs> okay? Just think about it. No? Let 2019 be different, at least in one life. No? But know your order. If, if uh, Priyanka is lost, then Abel will be lost and Zoe also will be lost. So Priyanka can't be lost. If Abel is lost, it's still okay. Know your order. Okay? So, get these things all in your heart, in your mind, and say, Lord, 2019, I want to start with little, little steps, small, small steps. Where, who are my father's enemies? Who are my enemies? If you look and see, my father and my mother had the same issue. 